It is officially squeaky bum time in the World Cup as we go through the last games of every group. And it is, it is do or die for many teams. Welcome to the World Cup date. We are not your analysts. We are not your talking heads. But we are footy lovers just like you. I'm Boris. And as always, I guess I can say, and as always, because it has pretty much always been always, Phil. It is cheese in your shorts day. Yep. It really, really is. Really is. Really is. How's it going, Uh, Phil? It's a good time. Uh, It's going great. It's going great. It's been a bizarre day, man. I'm telling you. Not only do we have footy games all happening at the same time, which we understand why. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, that's part of the fun. And um, I, I, my, my father was, I was downstairs in in the kitchen and my father says, Hey, um, there's something going on in our front yard and the neighbors are all looking at our front yard. So he goes, I think it's done now. And I go and I look out and here's a squirrel that had unfortunately met his untimely passing due to an automobile in front of my house. We had noted that said corpse was on the side of the road and neither one of us did anything about it. So now this corpse is on our front lawn and I'm thinking, oh man, my asshole neighbors threw the corpse onto our yard or some dog got a hold of it and, you know, threw the dog, threw the, the squirrel onto our yard. No, a falcon came down, picked up the dead squirrel, <laughs> lands it in our front yard, and decides to eat the squirrel to the point where it can carry the rest of the carcass to wherever the falcon needs to go. So, and my my father's like, "What the hell kind of bird is that?" And I'm like, "I've I've seen this bird before, and this is where it comes back to footy at TFC, Bitchy the Hawk." <laughs> it was none other than Bitchy's far distant cousin, Eagly the Falcon. <laughs> so what time was this? Roughly when did this happen? About 1.30 in the afternoon. So right before the U.S. So game I was literally going to say, this is like an omen. It was like an omen that you saw. You know, a falcon, an eagle. It wasn't bald, but it was, it was something, a prey of sorts. Munching yep. on the competition. Yep, and and the funny thing is, you know, my father, my I, I said to my dad because I'm like I got to go back up to work because we had gone out to fetch my car from the mechanics because I had work done, and I said to him, "Watch my luck. That falcon's gonna fly away and take a squirrel-sized dump on my car." <laughs> but he didn't. Thank goodness. Because I've come out to some epic washroom breaks by the birds in this neighborhood on my vehicle, and it's just. How much do you birds eat? Well, now I know. <laughs> it's a squirrel's worth of food. Jesus, that's crazy. So that that that's is that your day in a nutshell? Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very much so. Awesome. How's your day going? It's going fairly well, honestly. So <laughs> I have slept so much today outside of football games. I have been sleeping and just chilling and relaxing and doing what I do best, which is absolutely nothing. It's been good. I, 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 I've I needed it. And like today, this is by far the yeah. most I feel awake in so long. So long, Phil. You have no idea. 
I, I do have an idea because I see you up at all hours of the day, but in terms of your online status. But here's the thing. Now I caught what you had. I didn't get an ounce of sleep last night. Right. So whatever that was, it's now brought on to me by osmosis or just proximity over the internet to where we are. And yeah. So I'm hoping to shed myself of that and I hope sleep so. like a baby tonight. I don't like, like, I don't wish how I feel sometimes upon anyone. We have an awesome show today. I'm in Toronto. You're north of Toronto. We have someone coming all the way from England chatting that game and telling us how they think they're going to fare against Senegal. But we also have someone else coming on this show that is one of our friends, my dear friend, your acquaintance, Christopher Keem. Uh, we know him through the TFC supporter group and then some. Um, he's actually in Qatar. So we're going to be getting a first-hand look, first-hand uh, experience, first-hand stories as how, of how that World Cup has been. And it's cool because he's actually been to another World Cup. So I kind of want to see what that comparison is in terms of spectacle, mm. in terms of uh, you know everything that we've been talking about here on this show. But from all accounts, it seems like things have been going fairly well for him. He's been watching. like It's been such... Um, like it's been such a dream vacation. Like watching his Facebook, it's like the amount of games that he's going to. He's met up with like our mutual friend or acquaint our mutual acquaintance, Dino Rossi, uh, who we know. Th- oh again, yeah, th- yeah, we know him. And so they've been I, meeting up and know, going to games together. You know, Dino and I actually go back further than soccer. Yep, I do know this. That's the crazy part is that Dino used to run Vibrant Motors. I don't know if he still does. And when I was in the car modding scene. Dino was a favorite guy of mine to go to and buy car parts out yep. of Mississauga. So yep. it runs a very successful business yep. and he contributes a heck of a lot to the soccer community. Tons. As Tons. does Chris. Yep. Chris's own teams in the States. He's worked as a coach throughout North America here in Ontario, the PDL and developmental leagues. He's done it all. Uh, you know, so so Chris has done so much more for, for this program than, uh, you know, a lot of people give him credit for. But, uh, you know, that's the type of person Chris is. He just loves yep. footy so much that he literally will work for free if he has to and if he wants to. Uh, so we have that going on. We're going to be talking groups uh, A and B as they wrapped up their round robin play and now we know who's going to be facing who this weekend uh but also let's talk about this phil before we get into some news i've been talking you know world cup i love world cup for this particular reason it attracts new fans right or at least it attracts um people uh, curious uh, curiosity right so like your father for example uh, i have a whole group of wrestling friends and fans and whatever you want to call them who are watching the World Cup. And one of the things that they said is, you know, of course, all the complaints are going to come through, right? So I'm hearing yeah. stuff like, why does the clock not stop? I agree with that one, especially now that they're mm-hmm. adding so much injury time. I can see that being a rule that's coming sooner rather than later. Anyways, the other complaint is, so, you know, the whole injury time, the whole clock not stopping, uh, the, 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 the VAR is a huge one, and the inconsistent mm-hmm. use of VAR is a major one. We saw that in the second U.S. goal, Daka let go. Um, 
and and no var call. Various yeah. rules to how var is used throughout every league is an issue. Now they were also saying stuff like this, like in terms of, I don't like the fact that all the games are happening at once. Well, <laughs> this happens in every sport on decision days. I don't think people yeah. realize that. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It happens in baseball. Happens, happens. in hockey now, I think. Yep. All the East Coast happens games, in, like the last yep. in the day of the season, all the East Coast games are at the same time. All the West Coast games are at the same time for the simple yep. fact, and let's just say why. That way, people can't look at, or players can't look at results and help other teams. Well, they can't fix the matches. Yeah. It's harder to do, right? Yeah. It's basically, you know, if if one team loses by a certain amount, then it makes their opposition potentially graduate into a position to play the other team or whatever the scenario is, is it all just comes down to math and then people going, hmm, if I do this. But if it's all happening at the same time, then it's less likely to happen. Yep. Simple as that. Simple. Match fixing. Simple, simple, simple as that. Place your bets, everybody. Pretty much, right? That's pretty much how it is. <laughs> Not that I uh, uh, endorse any of that at all. I, the government says it's legal, so hey, I'm just saying it. I don't endorse it either. I think it probably hinders matches. I'm really shocked. The degree of which I've accepted that it's in the English game has made me accustomed to seeing how well or how much it's penetrated hockey mm-hmm. in that sense. But it's almost, it's still distressing to me when I watch, uh, if I'm around when a hockey game is on, that entire segments are brought to you by X book with X numbers and even commercials during the game where they can say, well, you know, if you think Matthews is going to score next, Place your bet now because the lines are open. Yep. It's weird. It's just yep. a little bit weird. It is but only weird. in Ontario. Yeah. It's weird for many reasons. You know, it's it's I've always made fun of the the British experience, right? And I always say the British yeah. experience because here in Ontario we get a lot of British and UK exposure uh when it comes to our pop culture and entertainment, right? So like you mm-hmm. said, you know, we're very used to seeing all the sports book advertisements in whatever we watch UK, but it's really weird to watch it here, especially when we have such a culture about, you know, mental health and mental health awareness and stuff like that, right? Like, it's yeah. it's that balancing game that I want to see more of, but I've seen many people talk about, like, it's how how offended and crazy and blah, 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 but, like, you know. You know the real sports issue here is this. This is, again, an observation of a mid-80s-year-old man that I live with. He turns around and he says, it makes me think that everything's just on, is, is like fixed. Yeah. He, he now thinks that, you know, uh, Sidney Crosby is placing bets on himself during the game. Yeah, but that is the impression. Here's the thing, though. That was but more likely the, to happen the, before than now, but the optics of everything, right? Yeah, it's just made to be more in your face. And, yeah, it's just now people can't distance the idea from the, the, the commercial, right? And it's even to the point now where I am starting a list because I don't really like it that much. 
I'm starting a list of celebrities that do these endorsements and going, eh, I'm going to skip whatever you're doing next. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, Wayne Gretzky's stock has plummeted. To me, you know what I mean? Like, I, I see some of the stuff and I go, ah, I'm going to I'm gonna skip you. I totally get you want the paycheck. I, I respect him for that. But at the same rate, it, it's the idea that Wayne Gretzky's standing on the side of the rink while Austin Matthews is warming up or taking shots and yelling about getting a three-point, you know, shot to drop is just stupid. It's just really, like, not appealing to me. Yep. That that just wouldn't happen ever. And I, I know it's it's a commercial, but yeah, it's still... I get it. It cheapens, it cheapens his brand. Yep. Put it that way. Yeah, depends, depends how you see gambling, right? Some yeah, people see it as a hey, business. Some people see it as a vice. Some people see it as a, you know, it is what it is. So it really depends on your view, but uh, to each their own. And, you know, you just got to respect yeah. everyone's opinion on this. Well, what what I would say is that if you agree with me or disagree with me, hit us up on our Twitter and whatnot on the yeah. BAM social feeds. And let us know, you know, what your thoughts are on all this and how well you've acclimatized to this new reality in Ontario or how you feel if you're out of province and are being inundated with this without being able to action it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because like, you know, a lot of our sports channels are based in Ontario with Mm -hmm. the Ontario kind of focus. Right. So it must be weird for someone from. Alberta, and I say Alberta because fuck Alberta, um, you know, it must be interesting for someone from that shitty place to to see everything so Ontario-focused. But regardless, they, they're literally saying fuck Ontario as that stuff is going on, right? So, Yeah, like it must be like exactly that. It must be weird if you're watching the Vancouver Canucks game and you're picking up the Toronto feed and all of a sudden it's like Ontario only, Ontario only, Ontario only. I don't know. This seems like a weird experience, but... Oh, Whatever. Speaking of weird experiences, Croatia has been charged for World Cup fans' taunts of Canada, the Canadian goalie. A disciplinary case was opened against Croatia at the World Cup on Tuesday after the team's fans taunted a Canadian player with Serbian family ties. Everyone knows it's Milan Borjan. Uh, FIFA said the charge against the Croatian Soccer Federation was, quote-unquote, due to the behavior of its fans and cited rules relating to discrimination and security at games. Good. Yeah. <laughs> not not because he's Canadian, but just because just it was in general. In general. Yeah. Like, if we're going to ban a flag that says love, then we should be making 110% sure that that kind of crap is eradicated. Yep. As far as, yeah, disgusting. It really is. It really, really is. It's um, I just, I just don't understand why people are like that. I know it's just like racism. We know it doesn't belong in this game. It has no place in this game, in the stands, on the field, anywhere. And yet, it seems to be a, a familiar refrain, right? Like it seems to be something that crops up on a way too frequent basis. When chance, whatever, there, there's a line, people, and let's know where it is. That's my sign of keep talking while I find something. <laughs> oh, okay. It's been a while. Since this is this stop talking. Thing. Okay. Is, yeah, yeah. Going. I got that. All right. Go, go, go. Vamp. That's what we call vamping. Um, but yeah, it, anyhow, that stuff is just gross. And like I say, it's not just because Borean's Canadian. 
it, it could be anybody, yeah. and the Americans included. I felt even bad yesterday. I know we talked about it, but even in the press conference, how the Iranian press was going after the USA captain so disrespectfully, and I know that it's originating with that flag issue and whatnot, but it's, it's one thing to do something like that benignly, or actively when you know the players aren't implicated, and it's another to be a rude asshole. Yeah, to someone's face. Like my takeaway from that was he kept himself composed. Congratulations, but what a dick in the media. And then you got the further controversy that's going on in Canada right now, which is erupting, about the fact that Alfonso Davies' availability for media interviews is being called into question. And I think that there's a much deeper story that's going to develop out of that because if it's based off of the one report, that reporter is rather suspect. But I've noticed that CBC is kind of picking up on it, which makes me want to like look at the facts a little bit deeper now. Considering who's involved, I know where this is where this originated from, right? Yes, I, I know exactly and where we'll, it originated. We'll talk about this. I, I, the only reason I don't want to name names yet is because I'm I, I, I'm just suspicious about things right now. But yep. I think both you and I know exactly where this originated from because of the people involved. And if that's the case, that person's a dick, and I wouldn't want to talk to that person. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's, that's my conclusion as well. But again, seeing the varied reports... I would like to be more educated yes. before making a statement because there's two sides to every story, and we've learned that. And people, for some reason, Phil, still listen to you and I, and we still get in trouble, even though we have absolutely nothing to do with all of this. Yay, Internet. In the first disciplinary verdict of the World Cup on Tuesday, FIFA imposed a 10,000 Swiss franc, that's 10,500 Canadian, fine on the German Soccer Federation for not bringing players to the mandatory news conference one day before a game. Uh, German coach Hansi Flick uh, appeared alone Saturday in breach of tournament rules ahead of the match against Spain. Fair enough. I... I feel weird about this stuff because if we parallel it to tennis and you see the controversy about certain players opting out of press conferences due to mental health issues, I can't help but feel a little bit on the side of the players I when it agree. comes to that. Because if, like, you know, again, citing that example yesterday with the Iranian reporters being so outwardly rude... Why does a player need to worry about that? He should be just worried about the game. Exactly. That's exactly you know, it. Like, I side with the players on this, right? Like, the the day, okay, after the game is one thing, but before, a day before the game, you know, maybe they're crunching plans. Maybe there's an issue they need to hash out. Maybe they're not feeling up for it. Maybe they're anxious. Maybe there's a thousand and one reasons why a yeah. player in a professional setting doesn't want to talk to people. And I think that we... Um, you know, as the viewing public need to understand that and kind of shit on these reporters a little more, right? Like, that's what you and I were famous for getting in trouble for is the way that we spoke to certain reporters for this very reason. Yeah, and, and like, exactly that. You don't know what the myriad of reasons are. Maybe the whole team's got the trots because the chef messed up the food. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and secondly, you know what you get out of an interview like that? 
you get the same goddamn garbage responses you always get out of sports players on interviews like that. We're going to go out there and give 110%. We're going to play the game uh, each half on its own. We're going to concentrate on not making mistakes. Like, we, you can insert a thousand bullshit lines that we've heard from a thousand sports. And that's what players are coached and conditioned to say. So the world media can be upset all at once. But your bullshit headline, the only guy that I know that actually put something out there to, to get the distraction off of his team was Herdman saying the F Croatia. Because that took the that took the focus off of Davies. Yep. And now the media is finding a way to make it all about Davies again. And, and, or, uh, and it just makes me sick. He's the face of the team. Canadians just, I just don't get it. Do not treat these guys the way that you treat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, exactly. An Italian man who ran onto the pitch during the Portugal versus Uruguay match in a show support for Ukraine and Iranian women defended his protest despite being served a tournament ban. Mario Ferry, 35, a football player with a history of similar stunts, interrupted the game on Monday when he sprinted onto the pitch wearing a blue Superman t-shirt with a Save Ukraine on the front and respect for Iranian women on the back. Uh, he calls himself the Falcon. Also carried a rainbow-colored flag uh, with the word peace on it. Uh, yeah. So he basically defended himself. Good to see he's, uh, you know, breathing. But yeah, he's got uh, himself a ban. Not shocking. I don't ever condone any inter invasion on the pitch. We've seen it before. We've had our laughs. We even saw a guy poop himself once. Yep. <laughs> but regardless... As entertaining as it can be, doesn't belong in the game. And I just don't agree with that tactic, but I understand people's frustration. All right, let's go. Let's chat some matches. Double matches, <laughs> double time. Ecuador versus Senegal. Netherlands versus Qatar happen at the same time. Let's talk some Ecuador versus Senegal first. This game, again, was better than I thought. It was, you know, the five, four, three of of FIFA. Like it going back, like like all joking aside, te when teams have nothing to play for, sometimes these games can yeah. be a lot better. Um, you know, Senegal is good. Senegal is a damn good team, and Ecuador they got spunk. They got something. They got the, uh, you know, as the French say, I don't know what. Yes, and they they do like really Valencia is what you know, like ripping up this tournament. They've got a little bit of sparkle, a little bit of swagger. And Senegal, I just think, have a higher work rate. That was my takeaway from the match. It's like Senegal just looked physically like they were just waiting yeah. most of the time. And Ecuador were just doing everything that they could to get penetration and get uh, established uh, uh, shots. Yeah, exactly. This game, like I think until the 42nd minute, which we saw penalty to Senegal after Hincapi wipes out Ismail Sar. I think until that point, it was pretty much a relatively even, I don't want to say 50-50 in possession. I just mean in the sense that no one was scoring and yeah. it seemed like Senegal was just waiting to see what Ecuador was going to do and they're going to do a counterattack. But we also saw that, that, that speed that some of these African teams are known for. So we did get that penalty. 44th yeah. minute, 
Senegal goes up. They take the lead. Saar picked it up himself, took it to the penalty spot, strokes the ball low to the goalkeeper's left. Galindez didn't even move. One nothing. Senegal. Yeah. Beautiful penalty. Um, <clears throat> there was no doubt about it being a penalty either. Yeah. Uh, so it was. Uh, I just love it when it's cut and dried. And yeah. Apparently that guy's missed a few domestic league penalty takes. So there's a little bit of tension there, but uh, he came through in the end. And what a stage to deliver on. Yep. 67th minute. Casiedo scores for Ecuador. The ball is flicked on from a corner, and the Brighton midfielder is all alone, and he hits it to the back post with an easy tap in. Ecuador level the match 1-1 in the 67th minute. Uh, yep, very nice um, on the fly. But the one thing that didn't shock me is what you're going to say next. Yes. Goal for Senegal in the 70th minute, essentially seconds later, once the celebration was all said and done. Uh, Koulibaly scored for Senegal to restore their lead. The Chelsea defender shows showed composure. Indirect free kick reaches him in the penalty box, guides the ball with an easy volley to the back of the net. 2-1 to one Senegal, 70th minute. And that's all she wrote. And again, the last little bit, Ecuador was pushing, Senegal was pushing, and when, you know, and it was a, this was a fun game. Yep, it was very entertaining. Uh, I had been flipping between Netherlands and this, and I got to say, Netherlands looked like a bit of a snore fest. <laughs> well, when you're facing Qatar, literally the worst yeah. team to have ever appeared in a World Cup. Yeah, eh, maybe they, not ever. We've got to take a look at ever. Canada '86, and I think El Salvador '86 might be like up there, but up there with some of the worst ever. You mm-hmm. know, for sure the worst um, uh, home team display. Yeah, for sure the worst home team, but at least they did score a goal. Yes. So they gave them something to celebrate. Whereas Canada's appearance in '86, no goals. Yeah, but we, we nada. Yeah. But we didn't host in 86. We didn't host, but it was still a dismal appearance. And I'm sure there's other teams, too, obviously. But, yeah, it's just tough when your country doesn't even do that. Whereas we will always have Sunday. (laughs) We will always have Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yep. All right. Netherlands wins 2-0 with goals from Gakpo in the 26th minute and De Jong in the 49th minute. That's all she wrote. Honestly, Nothing else to say. Netherlands wins. Qatar sucks. Qatar gets to go to their wherever they go. Yeah. And thanks for showing up. And uh, yeah, to be honest, one of the things that I do take away, and I got to say, I've been playing a little bit of that FIFA 23 and the commercial hits and whatnot on TSN. It is hard to get away, like escape the occasion of it. And as much as I don't agree with the politics and some of the practices of what's going on in this World Cup or how it got there, the thing is, is that I hear that little guitar music and I go like, ooh, this is fun. <laughs> this World Cup. That's <laughs> it's just like, you know. Makes me feel sick about myself sometimes. I like know. How quick I forget, like, right? Not forget, yep. but how quick I let entertainment take over. Yeah. Oh, I know. It, it's It's an awful, awful thing, but it's like getting swept away with the South African World Cup. 
and whatnot. And it was like the vuvuzelas and everything was annoying. But still, it was like comforting in a weird way. <laughs> All right. Let us quickly chat because we have guests for the next two games. And they're just going to jump in when they're ready. But let's chat some USA versus Iran. This game, the first, the, the U.S. looked damn good in this game. They looked really yep. good. It looked like Iran was trying to play the counterattack game. And they were yeah. letting the U.S. come near because I think they realized, hey, the U.S. cannot hit the target if their life depended on it. We will call them the stormtroopers of the World Cup. Yeah. But, yeah, you can only play that game so long. Exactly. Because <laughs> it, in the 38th minute... It's been coming. McKenney's long diagonal finds Dest, who goes in behind the defense to head across goal for none other than Chelsea Ford Pulsick to bundle it home. However, Pulsick goes down. What did it cost? Everything. Yeah, it's not not a good look. It's not a good sequence there. Other than the goal, one thing that I was taken aback by is how the athleticism and physicality of the U.S. were overwhelming Iran. You could see Iran's attempt to park the bus and to try and counter, but half the time that they were trying to put a counter together, it just got intercepted by the U.S. and then bounced around the midfield a little bit and then right back onto an attack. But like you pointed out, everybody was shooting like Chad Barrett there. Yeah. Just field goals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a great reference. All right. Second half. All USA again. USA gets a goal uh, taken away from them. Iran didn't really have anything until the very end. Those last 10 minutes were, eh, you know what, let's, let's give yeah. them the last 15 minutes were a little more intense for the States. For some reason, Pearl Harter sent the line to the back. They parked the bus, allowing Iran to attack. Yeah. And they got lucky because after nine minutes of added time, there was a very, very, very close call. Very close call. Damn close call. Cleared off the line. Iran was playing a long ball in, and the ball ends up past Turner, but it's cleared behind him. Tarami was on the floor. They were all yelling for a penalty and handball this and handball that. <laughs> but VAR said no. That happened in the 90th plus 7th minute. That saved the game. That saved the everything. Full-time, USA wins one to nothing and are through to the round of 16 to face the Netherlands. That's going to be a spicy tamale. You got the team that is having trouble finding the net. Versus the team that is getting stuff done, but seems to have a little bit of trouble finding the net, too. I got to say, I, I thought the Netherlands on some of their opposition would be more prolific than they have been. All right. So let's, let, 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 you know, let, let's take a break. Let's travel the world and let's throw it to our good friend. All right, so for this little segment, we're going to go all the way to Qatar to chat to a very close friend, someone who I've traveled up and down North America with, not yet the world, but one day we'll make it happen, and that's my good friend, none other, live from Qatar, Christopher Keem. Chris, how's it going? It's going well, man. We were in Amsterdam 
five steps away from each other and didn't know it. So we've almost traveled around the world. Together, exactly. So. Almost, <laughs> almost. But we have seen the U.S. men's yes. national team in the snowpocalypse game. What a day that was. We did. That was. That was amazing. Yep. Who knew four beers would get you so drunk? So, yeah, <laughs> Who knew four beers could get you very drunk with that altitude on z- barely any sleep? Who would have thought? <laughs> All right. So, um, let's let's before we talk about the match today you're in qatar so let's talk about your experience in qatar how has it been like how would you compare this to the last world cup that you were in in germany 2006 oh well by the end of it i'll have seen 11 games in 13 days so uh when i went to germany i could only see three so it's if you're a footy nerd then this is fantastic you get to watch soccer all the time i'll see messi i've seen ronaldo uh, Neymar, Moldrich, uh, you know, I've seen some players that you always wish to see if you could. And, uh, so I've been pretty happy that way. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to see the team I think is going to win it, which is France, but, uh, it's unfortunate, but, uh, next time around I'll, I'll watch them, but, uh, it's been a great time. The stadiums are beautiful. Uh, I don't know what Toronto is going to do for their stadium because that's going to be the worst stadium in the 2026 World Cup. So they've got a lot of work to fix that one up. So, but stadiums are beautiful. People are nice. Um, yeah, normal big event things that go wrong at big events. But other than that, it's been pretty seamless. So. Exactly. So there hasn't been like anything Qatar specific, would you say? No, nothing crazy. No, the it's not as scary as people make it out to be. Um, I'll, I'll say that not having alcohol here has been kind of a blessing because the Brits didn't uh, couldn't kick off because that's what they were tending to do. Um, you know, when they're in the stands in the U.S. England game, a lot of them were in the U.S. supporter section and just being jerks. And uh, I was talking to a British guy next to me. It was a family guy with his kids, and he had to turn around and tell them all to shut up because there's kids in the stadium. Like they, I couldn't believe it. I've never punched anyone in my life. I wanted to punch these guys. I, I can see why they always get in fights. They yeah. are uh, they're crass and just uh, low class, and you just can't stand them. And they all work in finance in London. You just want to punch them in the face. Oh, and that- uh, yeah. <laughs> I almost had to choke slam one of them. <laughs> Gee, for you to like people don't people have to understand. Like I've known you since 2008 and this is by far the most violent you've ever been. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that's awesome, man. I'm glad that you're having a blast. Sounds like this is like a footy geeks, absolute dream vacation. It pretty much is. I mean, uh, it's, getting cold back home so uh, it's nice yes. to go somewhere warm and watch footy uh fortunately it's in the middle of the club season so a lot of guys got hurt but uh but yeah no it's a great vacation uh for everyone I'm with some cool people i've met some cool people uh, got to connect with friends from around the world i haven't seen in a long time so it's been great and i think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize right going to any of these events you know the amount of people that you share a fandom with, regardless of what team you support, where you're from, it's you share that fandom with them and you have this instant connection. And look at you and I, like we've made some like long life bonds and friendships through footy, through soccer, through whatever you want to call it. Exactly. We're here for the football. 
<laughs> I was literally going to say the man that's here for the football one day will be drunk and talk to tell this story on a podcast. But um, you were there for for the football, and uh, let's talk about today's match. So Iran versus USA. Here in the media, tensions were starting to get a little high because of you know the uh, U.S. Soccer Federation's tweet. You never know how people are going to react to stuff like that, right? How how was the uh, atmosphere in, in qatar uh it was fine it was just uh it was very cordial everyone there um i, I got on the bus at the apartment building i'm staying at and uh there's a whole bunch of iranians that were already on the bus and uh they started giving it to me as soon as i got on the bus it was all jokingly but uh, i was like oh god i was the only uh yankee on the bus so i definitely got it and uh, i just laughed and uh no, it was a good time inside the stadium. Everyone was nice. We had a, a few Iranians in our section. It was the loudest soccer game I've ever been in in my life. Yeah. My ears are still ringing. Um, I, I know the guys here said on TV it was super, super loud. And the other people there said it was the loudest game they've ever been in. So it was loud. I was watching the game like on my Iranian. TV. And on, the, yeah. on my tablet, I had the Wales-England game. Yeah. Dude, it was yeah. so loud loud like i have my tv on the same volume every game but this one i had to put it down a little bit just because it was just like deafening yeah yeah it was uh crazy from the start so it was a good time uh we played amazing for the first 65 minutes i want to say um then our coach decided to in american football parlance play a prevent defense for some reason, and I don't know what he was thinking, but <laughs> yeah, we, we weaked it out there at the end. Um, Brendan Aronson had a wide open net and didn't see the goalie was standing four yards wide of his post. And I don't know if it was that obvious on TV, but I was sitting right behind the goal. And he passed it to the guy that pretty much the goalie was marking. And uh, that guy was I don't know what he what he didn't see, but that's the problem with the U.S. team. They don't look to shoot ever. Yes. Um, they're always looking to pass wide and then cut it back. And even in that situation, they could just put it to bed. And they didn't. So, uh, But we scored a nice goal. We won. We scored another nice goal, but it was offsides by a knee or something like that. I, I don't even know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was good. And uh, it's pretty exciting. We were all happy. I got to finally see the U.S. win in the World Cup since uh, I've been to two, and I haven't seen us win yet. So There you go. Uh, but, but we got the second clean sheet in in the world cup that's the first time in 92 years it's happened so um i've got two clean sheets in the world cup so that's amazing so yeah no that that's for sure isn't conca calf isn't uh particularly doing well so it's good to see that the u.s get the win and move on to the next mm -hmm. round the last 10 minutes or so so basically injury time on the second half things things uh -huh. were like what was Brohalter doing? Like, what was he thinking? Like, he just like everyone just not. It was beyond parking the bus. It was like parking the bus on your line. Yeah, um, we were all asking that same thing. He has <laughs> Joe Scally on the bench, uh, kid who's starting at Munching Lablock, doing well. He's been starting there for two years, and he makes a defensive sub and doesn't put him on. Uh, so we are all sitting there wondering what's going on. The fullback that he put on kept making overlapping runs when we didn't need overlapping runs. Uh, Musa was exhausted, could he barely was. move. And so that was just opening up that whole uh, right side of our team. And when Shackmore went forward, because Musa was dead and they just exploited that and just kept going down there. And so it was, uh, we couldn't figure out what the formation was, <laughs> what we were going to. We just knew we had a back five. And after that, it, who knows? It was like a five, two, three or something like that. And uh, it made zero sense. 
he continued to not bring on Gio Reyna again. Uh, no one knows what's going on there. Obviously, Eric Ronaldo and Jimmy Conrad have been saying there's an issue. Uh, there's uh, Gio Reyna's mom and uh, Greg Berhalter's wife are best friends. They're not even talking to each other right now, so something's going on. Wow. Um, it's crazy. Those, that's the inside scoops I got today I um, from uh, people that are talking to U.S. soccer press people. So it's uh, something's going on. Who knows? Um, it's not like Parks and Winalda's wife way back when, but uh, yeah, it's who knows. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of crazy. Something's going on. No one knows what's going on, but uh, yeah, yeah. Not to put on our our young promising attacker, who's probably our best attacker. Who knows? But with Pulisic's injury today, maybe that opens the door for Reina. Um, and we'll see what happens on uh, on Saturday, but. Adams is out and he's suspended, I think. Yep. He picked up a second yellow today. So uh, I think we've had probably one of the best midfields in the tournament for at least through 60 minutes every game. Yeah. <laughs> we've done really well, but without Adams, I don't know what's going to happen. So we'll see what happens. With Brohalter's, uh, like tactics, it seems like it's always a tale of two halves with the U.S. for these first three mm-hmm. games. You know, like realistically, what how do you feel about the game on Saturday against the Netherlands? Do you think that the US has a shot? <sighs> yeah. Netherlands is okay. Yeah, that they're nothing special. They're, they're not they're not the Netherlands of old. Um yeah. they're they're pretty good, uh, but they're not amazing. It's not so, the Robin uh, and led team, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm, their striker's pretty good. Um obviously they got Virgil in the back. And uh, Ake and uh, Delict, so uh, they got a good defense too. So um, our problems are we don't shoot the ball, and when we do shoot it, we miss the net by a million miles. So we need to put some things on target and see how it goes. Um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe the guys that step in for Adams do well, and uh, we can control the match a little bit. It'll be interesting. Yeah, there is a little more pressure, right? Adams is out. Paul sick. Who knows what's wrong with him, right? So. Let's uh, see what the U.S. can actually uh, muster up on Saturday. But, you know, we'll see what happens, right? Like, I, I do think that they can win the game. Like you said, it's not the same Dutch team that we've seen in the past. Uh, and the U.S. are hungry, right? They're they're for sure hungry. I have to ask you this, though. Broholter, mm-hmm. will he still be coach after this World Cup? I hope they hire the Saudi Arabian coach. <laughs> <laughs> um if he didn't get out of this round, I think he would not be the coach. Uh, he might have saved his job. We'll see. I, I prefer coaches not to stay with national teams past one cycle. Yeah, I think it gets a little stale then. Um, it's just for every country. Germany had that issue with uh, Low, or yeah, with Low. Um, it, it just always happens. So right? yep. they need new ideas, and we'll see what happens. I don't know. All right. So what what's the next game you're going to watch? What other games are you are you on tap to watch? We're going to Canada and Morocco, Argentina and Poland, and Ghana versus Uruguay. Not necessarily in that order, but those are the next three. Awesome. And then I fly back. Then I fly to Germany into Frankfurt, and I'm watching a lower division game there. And I think the third division in Germany on Sunday. So I'm gonna freeze to death because yep. I have no winter clothes. So I'm borrowing some clothes when I get there, and then uh, fly back to Toronto on on Tuesday. Crazy. We got to have a beer when you're back and decompress and, and, and chat some World Cup because you went there for the football. 
but I did go here for the football. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, thank you so much for joining, right, and uh, we'll have you back. We'll chat uh, up probably after Saturday's game. We'll either be happy or sad or angry. I'll be in Germany drinking German beer, so I'll be happy. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris. All right. Talk to you later. Cheers. So that was that. Thanks so much, Chris, for joining us. Uh, stay safe. Just have a blast. It's going to be a great time. Can't wait to have a beer with you when you're back. Uh, so, But, you know, it's awesome to have Chris out there, even for another few days. We'll try to get him back on the show before he heads to Frankfurt uh, for more footy and game and uh, beers. So let's <laughs> jump. Smart guy. <laughs> he is a smart guy. So let's jump to the, f- the game that was happening at the same time. Wales versus England, dragons versus meat pies. It's the shepherd's pies, eh? <laughs> What's the thing of this game? Um, I, I, I was more enthralled with the USA game. I figured that that was going to be a low-scoring event. Every time I flip back to England versus Wales, it just felt like boom. There's another goal. Boom. There's another goal. Boom, there's another goal. And then it was just like, okay, they're just going to close this out as they should. And, yeah, I'm not shocked at the result. What do you think? I uh, I wasn't shocked about the result. I was shocked at how Wales didn't press forward a little more. I was shocked yeah. that England, you know, it's, it's, it's so weird. This is not the same England team that played against the U.S. on Friday. I feel like they felt more comfortable in their shoes, in their boots, mm-hmm. as as they say in footy speak. Yeah, they were attacking around the box a lot and and doing it with a fair amount of ease. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's an inevitability. It's we've seen enough footy in our time to know that that pressure is going to mount and there's going to be errors made. So then that's going to be goals. I don't know about you, but my man of the match was Harry Maguire. Our boy, Harry Maguire. Always believed in him. <laughs> uh, Manchester. United I love all the Harrys. There's a Harry Kane. There's a Harry Maguire. Yep. All right. Harry Maguire. By the numbers, during the first half against Wales, listen to this 96% pass accuracy, 53 touches, 46 passes completed. Four out of five long balls completed. Two out of two aerial duels won. One out of one dribble completed. That is Harry Maguire's stats for the first half. Can he play for TFC? I know, right? <laughs> Those are good numbers. Wow, I didn't realize he was that on point this game. Good for him. I'm going to have to rewatch his game now. Rashford slams a free kick in from the 25-yard line. Foden won the set piece from a driving run at the Welsh defense, and there are some questions over Ward's positioning in the Welsh goal. Doesn't matter, but England, it was up 1-0. Yep. Thank goodness. They need they need goals in this. I, I'm that USA game. I don't know. that uh, England do this sometimes, and it gets a little bit weird for me. They disappear. Yep. So I was glad to see them reappear for this. Exactly. Not too much later, 52nd minute, Foden makes it two lights out, right, left punch onto Wales. Is it game over? We'll see. Yeah, it's done. Done like dinner. Done like dinner, which we'll chat about in a little bit. 
We'll chat about that in a little bit. But that wasn't it. Not, in the seventieth minute, Rafael <laughs> Rashford did the deed. They killed off the dragon. They killed off Wales. Uh, dancing, just making the Welsh defense look stupid. Shoots it straight at Danny Ward in goal. He should have done better, but he didn't. And he made it 3-0 England. And this is where we have the chat with Wales similar to what we talked about with Canada. This is a big-time stage, big-time game, big-time players. There are some players on there, but they need to learn as a team how to deal with this if they're going to progress forward onto the world stage and onto this tournament in the future, right? And that's, it's just going to come through these experiences and these hard lessons. Yep. And probably a lack of Gareth Bale. Lack of Gareth Bale, <laughs> exactly. That, that, that had something to do with it. Now, England moves on. They face Senegal on Sunday in the first phase of the knockout round. We can gab all we want, but you know what? Let's take it to the other side of the pond to someone who actually supports, heavily supports, one of the teams involved, that team being England. And we're going to check in with none other than my good friend, David Brightly. Dave, how's it going? Oh, I'm a lot happier this evening, Boris. Literally, um, not only am I looking at you... USA are through, and England have pulled the Welsh pants down and sent them home. St. George has slayed the dragon again. Yep, yep, there you go, there you go. So let's talk about the English, the England match. You know, there was a lot of pressure, there was a lot of talk, you know, you, this team has a lot of pressure overall, right? We talked about it, this last time. You know, did, they con- did this outing convince you that this team, dare I say, is good? Um, oh, well, as, as individuals, yes, they are. They, they show it week in, week out. There's just something when it comes to playing for England um, because things change. You've got a different coach. Um, I'm not going to go through my opinions of Southgate again. We did that last time we spoke. Um, but tonight, they were solid. I tell you what, in fairness to, to Southgate, whilst I've um, ruined him previously, he's brought something out of Harry Maguire in this tournament that we've not seen all season. And I've got to hold my hands up and say that. Um, it, Maguire against the USA was superb, and he was superb again tonight. Because in that first half, where England were on top but couldn't find any get any headway, at least they didn't sit back. Um, and you know, the goals came. Exactly. I think, well, the, the, the truth is, Harry Maguire has something to prove, right? He's got something to prove to United saying, you guys were wrong. So, you know, that's always extra motivation, but he has probably been one of their top three players throughout the entire yeah. three games, and there's, like, no doubt about that. Um, so you beat Wales 3-0. Talk to me about kind of how you felt through the game, because, like, the, until that first goal, it was almost a 50-50 game. I thought England on top of most of the first half, to be honest. But again, it, it and it wasn't the same as the USA game. I would have said that first half of the USA game was 50-50. And in the second half of the USA game, USA stole it 60-40 and were lucky not to win the game. Got to be honest. Whereas today, I didn't have that worry in seeing the setup and the way they were playing. What they needed is what they got early in the second half with a chance from a dead ball 
Um, we've got a lot of dead ball, good dead ball um, takers in that side. And Rashford, what a strike, cracking goal. And then to follow it up, Kane, Kane making something out of nothing for Phil Foden laying it on the plate, game's done. And England could then relax and show what they're all about. But that is the beauty of tournament football. You know, you get a two-goal lead. You can, you can, you can control it. Game management, and and that's not something they had. The US, the US didn't allow England to even remotely get that close. Whereas Wales did tonight. The Welsh will be mortified at how well, at how poorly they played over the three games. You have to take that into consideration as well. England have been lucky enough to beat two poor teams who didn't play well because Iran, obviously, in the Welsh and again tonight, from what I've quickly seen before joining you, have shown that they were no mugs in this tournament. Yep, agreed, agreed. See, the Welsh, it's it's kind of sad that their best performance came in the second half of their first game against the U.S. And then yeah. after that, you know, I, I don't know what happened, but, you know, everything, you know, tournament football takes over, right? Their game against Iran, the, the results just, and the balances just weren't theirs. And tonight, I feel like they possibly wanted to go out there and they changed their game style almost. They 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 weren't even holding back. I, f I fear like, you know, they went balls deep, but they didn't go 100%. I expected Wales tonight to be in England's face yeah. physically. And they weren't. And they allowed England to play the ball. They allowed England to keep the ball. Um, someone like Joe Allen, I expected to be all over the place, kicking players in the air. Um, and it didn't happen. And yeah. and it allowed England to get into the game. And once it scored, there was... there was It was, it over. was never down. It's almost it's, it's almost as if you know that that old saying like you know playing for tomorrow and and you know having to play the game that you're in before you look forward. It's yeah. that I feel like Wales was kind of thinking about cards or injuries for their next game, right? Like that's it because like you said, they I felt like they just stood back and let England yeah. control the game in that sense, right? They didn't really go they didn't go as aggressive as they did against the states or even Iran. Well, what, what are we looking at? We're at the you know, 29th of uh, November. They will start back. They start back around now. The Welsh players, majority of them, will start back around the 18th, 19th of December. So they've actually got a little break, yeah. ironically. So if they had picked up injuries, they would have still had three or four weeks to, to rehab. Um, so I find the performance a little bit strange. But... The 45, the 45 minutes, as you mentioned it earlier, that they played in the second half against the U.S. was how I expected Wales to play for the whole tournament, and they just didn't. Same. I think a lot of people expected that, right? Like, even we were talking about how much better the Welsh team is than they seem on paper, or, yeah. you know. So, but we're not here talking, Wales. We're here to talk England. You're through to the next round, the knockout phase. Uh, you know, it's 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 always a little a little worrisome because you never know what <laughs> team is going to come out, especially England. But you are going to face Senegal in the next round. How do how do yeah. you feel about that? Yeah, I'm reasonably comfortable, especially Sadio Mane is not playing, yeah. um, which is unfortunate for the tournament because the guys the guys world class and should be playing on on this stage, but. In this case, come Sunday, it does England a huge favour. I think it will be a very similar um, performance to the, the the game we've got tonight, and England will England will sit and wait for forty five minutes and then then push on. If there's nothing to push on for, I thoroughly expect England to come through this game. 
Agreed. Now, before I let you go, I've got to ask you a question. America, the U.S., they're facing Netherlands on the other side of the, t- of the bracket. Is it yep. possible for us to see an England-U.S. final? No, because England have got France in the quarters. It's possible <laughs> for you. It's possible for the U.S. If England get through, the likelihood is it'll be French, France in the quarters, and then they won't. I don't honestly see us getting by that French team at the moment. However, I do see on current form the U.S. They've got a sniff against Holland. Make no mistake. Um, this Dutch team, for all the talent that's in it, have not played well. Um, and USA have shown again tonight. All right, they had a bit of squeaky bum in that stoppage time um, against Iran, but the USA have shown, I will hold my hands up, I, they're going to show, if, if the MLS keeps carrying on developing players and not bringing in superstars coming in for a paycheck, America are going to be a world force. They've shown it. This Whatever happens against the Holland game, they've to get out of that group, is a very impressive feat, and and I hold my hands up. I, I I've been very impressed by America so far this tournament. Yeah, same. And you said it. I, Phil and I have been talking about this, right? The MLS needs to stay as a development league for our region. We cannot be bringing uh, glory hunters, people wanting to play for a retirement check. I don't want that. We don't want that in MLS. But the owners who want the money. That's clearly what they're kind of aiming for, but hopefully they, they smarten up a little bit, keep it as a actual um, development league for our region because it's done wonders for Canada and the U.S. and even Mexico to a certain extent. Uh, so we'll yeah. see what happens there. David, thank you so much. We'll catch up on the weekend regardless of yeah. results, and uh, we'll chat soon. Yeah, mate. Always a pleasure. Never chill. So there you go. Thanks so much for that, David. Phil. Before we move on to much more important conversations, I have to ask you, how do you feel knowing that Canada could have slash should have been in this group considering that we won CONCACAF, but somehow we ended up in a much harder group? The USA should have been in group, I think, F or something like that. Yep. But we get the short end of the stick facing Belgium. Yeah, they're frauds, but they're still ranked number two. Croatia, oh, I, I do respect Croatia. They are aging, but, you know, we have to remember World Cup runner-ups and in much improving Morocco. Like, that's, an, that's a freaking hard group. This is the group. The Group B is the group that Canada should have been in along with Wales, Iran, and England. I, I find it's interesting in the sense that it goes by world ranking, which we've all drawn objections about especially <clears throat> when you live in a country like Canada that gets hard done by by these by these proje- projections but I'm just wondering is there a better way to do the sort by regional qualification exactly what you're talking about the idea that if you win your region then the it downplays or at least mitigates the the algorithm so to speak about That's, where you place in the brackets. Look, people, FIFA pays mathematicians a lot of money to figure this stuff out. I'm sure these uh, poindexters can figure something out to that effect. What gets to me the most is the fact that even though we won CONCACAF qualifying, we still needed to pick up points for the FIFA rankings. If we had beaten Costa Rica in that much 
important game back during the qualifying phase, even though we were already in the World Cup by that point, we still needed to pick up a win. And if things would, we would have ended up in a different pot, which more than likely we would have ended up in Group B. Yeah, and as well, we also missed a friendly. I don't know how much that impacts things, but, you know, the players had their issues and rightfully so had to take action in order to resolve them. But, you know, all this stuff counts and we needed to spread our wings fast on against international competition. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to play in a bubble like we do in CONCACAF. It's another to get the world's game out there to some of these countries that we can show off to those poindexters at FIFA so that they can sharpen their pencils and say, hmm, maybe we need to up it a little bit for this. I don't know. Exactly. All right. Before we get on to the most important conversation of the day, let's talk Wednesday, November 30th, 10 a.m. Eastern, Australia versus Denmark. Ooh. I like Denmark, but I want Australia Same. in that one. I want Australia to win. Yeah. Then to round off Group C, Tunisia and France. Oh, France. Yeah. Yeah, same. same, same. No, no, Mbappe. No. Mbappe. Yep. All right. 2 p.m. Eastern, Saudi Arabia, Mexico. In a very important match Ooh. for both countries. Oh, that one's going to be sweaty. Oh, oh I, I wouldn't want to put money on that one. No. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe a draw. Yeah, I'm thinking another draw as well for Mexico. And Poland, Argentina going on at the same time. Mm, Lewandowski scores his first World Cup goal, but I don't think they're going to really find the back of the net that easily so i'm gonna pick argentina i'm gonna say poland argentina i think i think i don't know man i'm saying poland i'd welcome poland i'd be happy if poland did it but i'm just i don't know i we picked too many underdogs (laughs) i know i'm like always the underdog i want but this time i'm like eh. argentina and messi i just see got something to prove so you can't count them down but if he wasn't there then i would pick poland no brainer all right so that is all our football talk let's talk about the most important discussion of the day what's for dinner oh my lovely brother gary dropped off a meatloaf for me today nice and i am air frying it Because I air fry everything. So I'm going to get my meat thermometer, my barbecue sauce, and dress that fat boy up in its little pan. And then, yeah, eat a lot of meat over the next couple days. (laughs) How about about you? Um, I think tonight's a ravioli night. I have some frozen ravioli with cheese stuffing, some good good, Mm. good cheese stuffing in there. It'll be a tomato sauce. I don't like cream sauce too much. Fair. Maybe maybe rosé. Add some uh, cream in there, yeah. A little 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 splash of vodka. Get that vodka in there in the rosé sauce. A little drunken rosé. 
takes the edge off of the acidity, right? Like that's exactly. that's one of the tricks. Yep. That, that, Telling you, they might be doing that. Yeah. Let's let's. Well, yeah, but it's uh, it'll be um, yeah. That's what I'm gonna have. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Long day. Oh yeah. We're we're and you know, I've I've already talked to my father and he's getting excited about making uh slow cooked dinner in the next night so we'll see we'll reintroduce vegetables into my carnivore diet of squirrel <laughs> oh my god well phil that is that that's another day tomorrow we'll be back chatting all things group c and d i hope i said that properly you know it's funny someone asked me before we go someone asked me how do you prepare for these shows? I go to my computer oh. 10 minutes before we start, and I get what I need to get. I do take quick notes during the games, but as you can see by my updates, they're not much. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I, I, I do. I've got the list of Google World Cup results today up on the screen. <laughs> and as well, I watch the games in the background. So I try to pick up on the tone or I try to sniff out controversy like that offside today, which didn't look very offside to me, <laughs> but in the States game. Um, yeah, so that's that's my prep and then figure out where Mr. Boris is going to take this wild toad on which drive. <laughs> and it's funny because this is literally how I do every show. Like, well, yeah. it's canon depends, right? Like I'll, I'll do some prep. And, and and research when I have to, but uh, yeah, it's uh, very much uh, you know seat uh, whatever. I just kind of go with the flow. Seat of the pants. That's yep, it. Yeah, yeah. Make that's, it up that's as what you go along. That's what I do but best. We, we also, you and I, have a long friendship where we're aware of one another, and we've been doing this together uh, for enough time that I think we, aside from the fact that I couldn't read Vamp today. Um, I think that we uh, we figured out how to banty it. So, exactly, good times as always. Exactly, Phil. It's good to be back. It it is good to be back, dude. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Till next time, stay tranquilo. Yeah.